Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We're your hosts, Ken Seymour, Richard Geiger, the marvelous pair. Terrific to be here today. Would you like a peanut? <laughs> I think I'm good. Uh, uh, I need to maintain the ability to not asphyxiate. <laughs> it's. It reminds me of the uh, the second Ace Ventura movie when they're on the plane. And she's like, peanut and (laughs) peanut. Ah, yes. Uh, For those of you just tuning in and wondering what happened to us, uh, I just nearly uh, choked and uh, died in my first attempt to the lead up, to the introduction to this marvelous show. It's a marvel that you're still alive because it was pretty dangerous. Yeah, uh, I have more than one. More than one problem. Some would say I have binary problems, but uh, mm, that I mean, the way you fought through it, though, uh, <laughs> you were a beast to survive. You know, <laughs> that's right. Well, if you uh, weren't paying attention to what we were going to be talking about today, and just managed to somehow wander into our fantastic program, first of all, welcome. But we are going to be talking a little bit about the new film from Marvel Studios. The Marvels just released this past weekend. Uh, yes, and according to articles, the worst opening weekend of any MCU movie ever. Now, as always, the amount of money that a film makes is not indicative necessarily of its quality. There are a lot of things that can play into it, and we're here to give our opinion about whether this film is, you know, worth watching. Something you know you want to see now or wait for streaming. That's correct, and um. Let's put it in a different perspective, too. What type of marketing have you seen for this movie? A handful of ads, not a ton. And the actors have been on strike for how long? A long, long time, though, as of this recording, the strike is over. Correct. So while they were on strike, there was no press circuit. Right. There was no really much anything a lot of times people get these previews they would go around from show to show to show to show and do interviews and laugh and giggle and talk it up and we had a good time working together and director was awesome and and none of that there was none of that so there is no hype for this movie there is no discussion about this movie there is very little going on to point this movie in any type of positive direction unfortunately yeah, that's. I, I'm. I'm glad that the uh, strike is over. I'm glad to see if the industry can come to a sort of equilibrium, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, in the short term, for those of you that are not familiar with our full movie review uh, way of doing things, we will give you uh, a non-spoilery general reaction first, and then we're going to break into over analysis and. Uh, take the film and look at it through the lens of uh, how well they did with casting and the director and costuming and props and location and all that stuff. And each of them are going to have a numerical value associated with them that when you add them up could potentially be as high as 100 points or as low as zero. Uh, So far, we have not had a film that has achieved either of those feats. It's such a scientific method that we do here, you know? Absolutely. I mean... There are no reviewers like the two of us. We can make it if we try. That's right. 
<laughs> just the two of us. All right. Uh, well, let's get into the non-spoiler side of things. Uh, is this a film that should be seen in theaters? Is this a film that should be uh, waited for on streaming, get it on Blu-ray? Is it something that you can just take a pass on? Um, for me, um, if you are a Marvel fan, if you're a fan of these characters, if you enjoy the spectacle that a film like this can create, then yes, see it in the theaters. Absolutely. Um, is this one that, uh, that you just absolutely must see? No, not necessarily. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. This for me, this is always going to be a see in the theater sort of a thing, Mm -hmm. but, uh, for your average moviegoer, maybe not. Yeah. So, um, you know, depending on where your theaters are at, what condition they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid $11 and the theater smelled like pee and there was five people in there with me. So nice. <laughs> there's, there's my story right there. Um, and, and I know for some of you listening, you might be in a similar situation. Uh, we drive not even an hour north of here and there are amazing theaters with yes. ample room to sprawl out and recline and have padded seats. And you know what? The ticket prices are basically the same and you can buy a beer if you want to. So that has a different, a different type of enjoyment than your standard theater that, you know, wasn't making any money for a year and can't Mm -hmm. clean and keep up and, and make a nice presentation that I think nowadays has to weigh in just a bit. Uh, but if you're going to pay, you know, 16, 17 bucks for your ticket, eh, may, may, maybe, uh, but if you can get it at like a matinee price and you're, you have investment in these characters, I definitely think it's well worth it to go to the theater. But if you're the casual viewer, hmm. you might not get the payout um, that you're looking for in this one. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, an unfortunate thing that the movie going experience is such um, a hit or miss thing depending upon where you live and where you can go. I mean, we've often joked being in Bloomington, Indiana, the beautiful city of Bloomington, Indiana, that we are in the town that retail forgot. <laughs> it, it is where if, yes, it is where you go. If you are in, around, worked for previously, you know, it is where retail comes to die. Yeah. It's, there's no good reason for that. Other than the fact that if you look at the the large companies, for whatever reason, they do not want to invest in Bloomington. just doesn't happen. The fact that there's a major university here and 50,000 students three quarters of the year doesn't even play into it. You are, what, an hour drive away from, what is this, is it the... 12th largest metropolitan area in the country is Indy. Indy is in the top 15 somewhere. Yeah. And it's not like you have to go far. If you lived in the Chicago suburbs and you were trying to get downtown. Now I know that's different, different restaurants. What I'm saying is, but like you would make a destination to go downtown. It's going to take you an hour, hour and a half to get downtown. It's the same thing here. So, um, and, and I understand those are different destinations, but this, this place is where, it's it's like it's the pariah of oh yeah of the area. It's weird. Yeah, the, we 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 have often talked about this off screen, and that may be a uh, 
maybe a subject for an entire other episode sometime. A whole discussion. But uh, in terms of will you wait six months for this to show up on Disney Plus? It'll probably be less than that. No, it won't even be that long. Um, I just don't think it's going to have a real long theater run if it keeps up the money like this. Um, you know, the reviews for it aren't great. You can't always trust the reviews. We know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, can you trust our reviews? Absolutely 1,000%. Uh, yes, we are 100% correct. Ignore everybody else. But um, it's holiday season. There's going to be movie after movie after movie. And you know what? If you are dedicating a theater, one of your 10 theaters, to a movie that's only going to have 10 people in it, it ain't going to last long in the theater. So, no. um it's a real hard call if you have the inv- like you let's say did you watch Miss Marvel? Did you watch the TV show? Of course I did. Um, so you have some payoff in this, right? I do. Um, did you watch WandaVision? Yes, I did. So you got a little bit of payoff in this one, right? So like there are elements, and if you are invested in this property properties, I think it's worth it. But you yeah. better go soon because I just don't think it's going to be there for very long. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if it lasted three weeks at yeah. this rate. Yeah, it's it's not going to be there by Christmas. Yeah, but, go watch Aquaman. By the, by the time that you're going to listen to this episode, if you listen to it on time, it may be in its final week of running. Oh, geez. Uh, so, well, let's get into the nitty gritty. We're going to break it down. Um so often we have a couple different directions we go with this. Sometimes we go with our normal flow. Sometimes we go with the smallest points first. Mm, yes. Um, I think we're going to start with that. I, I like the smallest points first. Build up everything into the different pieces. And I've, yes. I've really enjoyed starting with the soundtrack. Um, so let, let's, let's start with the soundtrack again because that's, that is part of the palette, part of the canvas that the story is being put upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, something to get you into the right mood for the scenes. Do they pair the right um, music with the right type of film? Well, I think one of the things that you saw with this was a lot of callbacks, some of them blatant and mm-hmm. I, I guess you had to have them in there for the first movie. Right. Which I will remind you is a billion with a B dollar movie. It made well over a billion in the box office. Oh, oh, by the way, this is where the spoilers happen. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Um, but uh, the inter- interesting part of that, she crashed into a blockbuster in the 90s, right? So we have a lot of Fun. callbacks to that time frame in terms of the music tastes. Right. Um, that being said... Okay, so first of all, I am a mark for the Beastie Boys, generally speaking. Yes, uh, they have quite a few albums, and from each album, there are quite a few songs that got a lot of playtime. Yeah. So they're they're e- easily, if you like Beastie Boys at all, they're easily recognizable, and you could be paying attention to nothing, at least for me, and be like, oh, that's Beastie Boys. Like, you, it piques your interest. So... On the surface, if you are in a decision-making position, say putting a large film together that's going to have a science fiction theme Mm -hmm. and it's going to have that that tie to the older music, it would, on the surface, seem to make sense to want to include the song Intergalactic. And it it was prominently 
put in the advertising for the film that I did see. Mm-hmm. It was always the song that was playing. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have a large part in this film. It was nope. there a little bit. But is that the right song for this film? No. They're in space. And they were, you know, um, going around from place different. Well, they're in the same galaxy? Yeah, same galaxy. It, but was, like, it was kind of like they didn't listen to the song, uh, to, to the words of the song. It's kind of, in a way, kind of making fun of that as the the surface. I mean mm-hmm. they're they're giving their their geek cred, but they're also kind of making fun of it. That's not the song that I would have used for that by any stretch. I mean you were listening to some some classic rap as we were getting into this. I would have gone with what you were listening to before I would have chosen Intergalactic. Well um As long as you could get a clean version. Correct. <laughs> I mean um I would be okay with hearing, you know, ODB or Dirt McGirt, you know, you know, bending, you know, what he was going by at the time. Um, and, and that would have been fine. And we would have recognized what, what like the artist, but would the masses have? Sure. And, and, and I have a, I have a, I have a speculation on the progress of the Marvel movies, which I, I, I will touch on later because of some of the things and scenes that popped up. But um, I think for you and I, a, a group, in our age group, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan would have come off great, yeah. uh, just, like, just like the Beastie Boys. But if you are 18 and watching this movie... You would not get the reference, sure. Correct. And... I, I think you're right. They just looked at the title and, hey, Beastie Boys, 90s, like well, late 90s. But, but the uh, whole point of that song, okay, <clears throat> so it's not just meant to be this kind of pop culture touchstone. It's meant to give a kind of <clears throat> energetic, energetic bit of music with some punch to it. It's kind of like, oh, these are, these are characters at this point that have got a little stink on them, that have got a little attitude. But that's, that's been overused. It's been, and, and it's the wrong song to do it with. I would argue that a, a deeper cut, some other artist, would have been a better choice. Take a little bit of a leap. Get something a little edgier. It would have gone over better. I mean, I'm biased. You throw some Soundgarden in there and killing the game, son. Oh, um, yeah. But there were some other subtle pieces of music. Yes, there were. What do you reference, sir? Well, um, should we discuss it? I mean, it's more of a bonus for the movie. It's super, super spoilery. has nothing to do. It has to do with the score, Mm. right? Kind of, but like... Well, it's definitely a moment of marking out for those of us that were watching comic films at that point yeah. and remembered how much fun the original X-Men films were. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's some hints of that. A little bit of that. Uh, it was also hilarious to have memory playing in the Flurkin scene. Mm-hmm. That was... That one was spot on. That was funny. And I didn't... And the funny thing is, I didn't... It didn't even register at first for me. Because I was I was mainly being visually stimulated at that point, and it and it was later points like, oh yeah, that was what was playing. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. And and it's not like 
it's not like this is a huge soundtrack. No. So we had key songs in, in different spots, but overall, the backing tracks of the of the the music that you hear that the you know, orchestral, someone, yeah, someone composes that stuff. It plays over you know seventy percent of the film, uh, whether you hear it or pay attention to it or not. And sometimes that's a whole key that if you're not hearing it and paying attention to it, it's actually good. Yeah, um, or sometimes it's driving the excitement, and and I felt like all that was. Was good, not distracting. The music and the uh, and the dancing scene, that was really good. Very good. Yep. So I mean, all in all, I, I my only my only gripe, if it even could really be considered a gripe, is less of a gripe, just more of a a taste thing. I that I would not have chosen. Uh, I I liked it. I mean, the the score did what it needed to do. It stayed in the background. I made it right. I made. I might have uh, given it a higher score without the intergalactic thing, but I, that's a seven out of ten for me still. And I was close. I did eight. Yeah, not too shabby. Well, let's keep going with the smaller total categories. With a possibility of ten points, we're going to talk about costuming and props. Ooh, costuming and props. Okay. Um, should we start with costuming, or should we start with props? Let's start with the props. That's the easier one, I think. Okay. <clears throat> what What were truly the props that were in the forefront? Well, you obviously had the accuser hammer that was a holdover from Ronin. Um, you had the quantum bands, um, which I'm glad I kind of called what they were when it was introduced in the first place and I, not not only did i call what they were but i called what they were doing with them when i you know i was explaining it to to the families like you know what the, i bet not only is this the quantum bands but they're not going to use them like the quantum bands not exactly because this is going to be associated with the kree somehow uh because that's the whole thing captain marvel captain marvel was a kree character and captain marvel didn't have the quantum bands captain marvel had the mega bands and the negabands had to be hit together to be able to do things and all all that sort of stuff. And they're going to be simple. I bet they're going to combine the two of those together, and they're still going to alter them on top. Is exactly what they did. Just so no surprise there, but uh, still, I liked it. It was it was good. Yeah, and and maybe because I was paying attention to things I shouldn't be paying attention to. There was a couple of definitely a couple sequences in there where they looked just like cheap old plastic things. <laughs> yeah, if well, you're talking about the points where not where they're like the focus. Correct. It's, correct. It's when they're like just off of the focus. Yep. Yeah, no, I saw that too. They it wasn't just them. There were several things that they did not polish them. No. Now, we like to be picky. Yes. Like that's what we're doing. Yes. And it's just an observation that I had when watching the movie. I'm like, that was just like plastic, you know. <laughs> well, you, uh, these VFX people are so overworked. I bet they could. It's like they must have realized, like, okay, the time that this is going to release, or we know we're not going to support this film in the way that it needs to be supported. Mm -hmm. So let's just not pay extra to have a last. Throw some spray paint on it. No one will notice. No one will you know? notice. Well, I mean, because the prop, the prop on itself, it looked like it needed to look. That's just a point of contact for that VFX person to then go over after. It's like, okay, I need to put the shine on it now. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit of spit and it's polish. But uh, 
I bet they did not even hire anybody to do that or not to the level that it needed to be done because, you know, they knew it, it wasn't going to matter. Yeah. And uh, the the weapons, although minimal, um, the guns were fine. The little rods of fighting, I don't know what you want to call them, were fine. The, the ocean planet, they had some weapons. Yeah. They were fine. The battle scarf. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> cool. I mean, she, clearly, she's been training immensely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I, I like the hint, you know, use the scarf. Like, like, that That was funny. And then she's like, oh. Considering what that weapon actually is, because it is a real weapon, um, and where it comes from, just geographically speaking, it matches. But yeah, there's no way she trained with that at all. Yeah. It's a different point of the, the discussion. But um, in terms of the set pieces, you know what? The house, um, the family house in the movie, as I recalled it, looked pretty darn similar to what we saw in the TV yeah. show. So props to them for recreating that. The the ship, her little, you know, one person ship. Um that was pretty sleek looking. That was nice. It, it had a nice exterior design. All the little components inside were fine. Um so that that that, that was good. Is the cat slash flurkin, is that a prop? No, that's just gonna go into our general effects. Okay. Um but the saber um, that's more of a location than, location, but yeah. you know, there wasn't much to have for props in no. that, uh, but their costumes looked pretty consistent. Not, nothing too crazy. I liked the little glowy slate thing. Yeah. That was fine. Yeah. That's nice. And there was even a comment like, Oh, do I have to read this backwards? Like, how, like everybody can see this. Like great point. Yes, they can. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so overall besides the nitpicking, um, it was solid. I think we're good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about costumes. Oh, yeah. So costumes. Um, they're the same as before. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the easy part. <laughs> Captain Marvel's outfit, same as before. Um, Monica Rambeau's outfit, basically the same as before. Miss Marvel, basically the same. Everybody's got the same. Did it look good? It looked good before. Looks good now. The uniforms and saber. Look fine. Mm-hmm. The, the whole, Kree? The Kree were solid. I, I'll go back to that dance scene. That was the best. The The costuming in that scene, on point. It was That that gave them a chance to really kind of have some fun. Yes. And that was, that was really nice. Yeah. I feel like that was something that everybody that participated in, whether it was set design, choreography, I think everybody took pride in that sequence. Although... Short lived mm-hmm. and not really an integral part of any part of the story. It didn't seem you could see it coming. Oh, yeah. You could see it coming a mile away. Um, as soon as the introduction, when they landed and they got off and the people were all singing, I was just like, oh, oh, okay, I know what's coming. It wasn't forced upon us. No. It wasn't bad. It was fun. It, it it had, like I said, every once in a while you have those things in movies that just have no bearing. And they're, 
dumb or you're like, why did they have that? This interjected some fun into it. And the costuming and props for this were good. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, it did what it needed to do. I'm giving that an 8 out of 10. 8 is good. 8 is good. All right. So, our last 10-point category that we're going to talk about is location. It kind of hand-in-hand with the uh, props anyway. Yes. And we mentioned one, the Sabre place. Sabre was great. Um, The the ship is more of a prop, but it's still a place. It's still a place. They were there... A, a decent amount of time, decent enough. Um, the planet with the scrolls. I don't know what that one's called, but uh, yeah, I've already forgotten that too. It's uh, let's uh, file that under irrelevant. <laughs> it got exploded anyway. So, yeah. um, but it looked it looked nice, like a habitable planet, well and designed, it, and it had levels of things, and it's good. Um, the Cree homeworld. What is it called again? Hala. Hala. If you hear me, that's your boy. Um, fine right dark did they didn't they didn't really show us much of anything that was that was a little trick they showed us something without showing us anything so yeah because you know no atmosphere no sun yeah 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 we did get to see a peek at the the supreme intelligence but we'll get back to that because that's just in vfx yeah yeah i because they never in the first movie like i know based on the cartoons, if nothing else, I know what it was supposed to look like, and I'm sure. It, I wonder it, how many people got surprised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I knew, but I, I do like how they touched on what the follow up was with that. Right. Um. But yeah, that's its own. That's a VFX. Yeah. So we'll we'll get back to that. But uh, yeah, Hollow's okay. The Earth shots were fine. The the big. Accuser chips. Those were nice. They used to be, you know, on their side, and now they're upright. Well, it's space, so they're still on their side. Yeah, but they were they were presented to us with a ninety degree. Yeah, turn. absolutely. They they have to look a little different, a little new. We're the new regime. We won't fly this way. We'll fly this <laughs> way. Yes. <instead>. Uh, <laughs> you see that thing that was a wall? That's now the floor. That's right. But yeah, that was fine. No, I mean, it did what it needed to do. It was exciting in a couple of spots. It never made me groan. The ocean world was an ocean. Right. I mean, so, I mean, I I don't really think there's much to go over on this. Out of 10, what do you think? I think, I mean, maybe it's too high, but uh, nine because it was fine. No, I I think nine is right because it, it gave us, again, it's that backdrop. It's the thing that everything else needs to happen on it needs to be there and be pretty but not be distracting it did what it needed to do yeah um okay so let's let's pump up the points just a little bit we talked about cinematography we're not going to wait any farther on that let's go straight into that that's a 15 point category so we'll even start with the supreme intelligence looked exactly right well that's what i was thinking too although okay it was it looked like bad cgi but it wasn't but it wasn't <laughs> like that's just it it's just a face in a in a jar uh, think of a, a a squash that you painted green and put flailing arm guys at the top and that's that's the supreme intelligence it's it's always looked ridiculous in the comics and they did it 100 percent right yeah i i saw that and, and 
like my my initial thought, my because it was on the screen, it was on the screen for such a short period of time. My initial thought was, man, they cheaped out on the CGI on that. But then you know, it was like sometimes you hear someone say something, but but you don't know what they said until five seconds later after your brain processes it. That was that for me. I was like, that just looks like bad CGI. And then I had to remember back to seeing like, <laughs> no, that's what it looked like. That was right. <laughs> so uh yeah yeah exactly and i gotta imagine because all they all everybody saw for the supreme intelligence was they talked about it through the whole first movie what your interpretation of that 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 supreme intelligence is so you saw everyone's version you saw her version of what it was right but not the actual version yeah so that that was just kind of fun um the explosions were splody yeah, they, they look good. Um, Saber looked, you know, when they're out doing the space suits, um, that stuff looked fine. Uh, the little hexagon yeah. tiles out in space looked pretty solid. Um, the planets that were they had to generate CGI forms for, you know, the grass and the trees and the earth. Wind, fire, getting sucked out. You know that was right. that was good. It looked okay. The the subtle kind of energy interplay between everything that looked really nice. Um, I think they they didn't overdo it in showing how the energies were overlapping. They did just enough to it's like oh yeah the colors and the way the things and the touching, the instant changes of the characters were smooth. Yeah, that wasn't distracting. That that was that was good. Because uh, that could get confusing when oh, yeah. done improperly, so the cuts were good for for those. Um, I, I think my biggest gripe, and the reason why my score is what it is, is there are some things that were lacking from a CGI standpoint, including one of the bonuses we we'll discuss. But uh, the the fight sequences just seemed choreography wise like they didn't mask the ability of the people participating well enough. And we've mentioned this before in other movies is that the way you do that is how you cut the, cut mm-hmm. the sequences together. Yeah. Um, you know, these people trained, um, I bet Brie Larson trained a lot, or at least worked out a lot. Um, she always puts a bunch of effort in. So I, I know, I know that all, all, everybody that was in this worked hard to, you know, be a fighter or whatever they were presenting. It's just that everything was completely believable. I didn't. That's not what I'm presenting here. It's just that sometimes when you look at movies. And you don't want to notice the things like the armbands, for right. example. Right. All I all I could notice was just the forced like, huh, huh, like the over choreographed moves, and then the camera that would spin in a circle just didn't quite spin fast enough for you to not see what was being choreographed in front of your face. Right. Well, I mean the the other thing is all of these characters. I mean when you look at comic book characters a lot of them are like trained master fighters none of these three characters are i mean you've got captain marvel who got what the standard military intro training you get with uh going through boot camp 
and some of the other stuff. She she never really had any more than That's that. That's 100% false. She trained with the Cree for yeah, a long time. I know. I'm just I'm having some fun. Um, but Monica Rambeau, however, did not. But she did get the best of the military training and shield and saber training. Shield and saber training is like Hydra training. You're just training to be the, the best possible first person to get shot <laughs> in any given encounter. That doesn't mean much of anything unless you have some other something to go with it. And Miss Marvel for sure doesn't have any training. Uh, Correct. But she was the one, you know, like running off of walls, low kick, high kick, punch people, block. You know, she was doing all the, manu- she all actually, the maneuvers. She looked better than the other two. That's exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and she had the, she had the, the, the magical um, scarf, of course, which she was an expert in using as well. And you're, you have to take your brain out of the fact that, um, you know, that this is my, my whole time thinking was like, how was she trained to do any of this stuff? And then why do these guys look like they've never fought bad guys before? And, and you, you just have to take your brain out of that because you, you overthink. You're like, they're bending space so they could get from one place to the other. Of course, it's like this, right? Um, but from a choreography standpoint, and this is maybe more of a plot thing too, she, the, the Captain Marvel character, uh, you know, took a punch from Thanos and didn't even move. And yet the Kree people are beating her up. <laughs> <laughs> does that's, seem off. That's a plot thing, and I get that, but it has to do with the fighting. Because honestly, if she was the same character and these, you know, Cree scrubs were coming up to her, she would just be like, bink, bink, you know, like just flick him off. Like there wouldn't be a contest with this. And how it was presented was like, she should fight a little bit, right. but it's like, she should be blasting these people like, 20 feet away through walls and stuff without putting up much of an effort. Right. Uh, but instead, they treated her like she was just a regular person, except for when she has to restart a son, of course. And then uh, uh, now we're doing all these intricate fight scenes, and it just looked rehearsed as it should be, uh, just not polished. And I'm being nitpicky, and I apologize. Well, you know that's that's the whole thing. You gotta you gotta create that that sense of there being a you gotta have the tension basically. And if all they're fighting against are these scrubs who should be losing badly, not because they are necessarily being outfought, but technically speaking, the three of them together just power wise way outclass. Now the, the rest uh, of them. Monica Rambeau, who was never actually given a name, mm. a superhero name in here, you know, she's newer to learning her power set. Right, right. Um, mm. Kamala has had her power set for a little while, but not very long. Right. Uh, but enough to know how to generate the proper things to make a shield or steps and, uh, you know, throw the steps out as they run on top of them. Um that where was kind of fun. Where did we see that at? That was in Infinity War. Yeah. Endgame, Infinity War, yeah. Um, and, and that part looked good. It, I do like how they practiced on the ship. That was fun. 
because that was practical. Yeah. Uh, and they knew their their trip was going to take a bit, so they knew that they had to uh, work on their swapping. Um, their so that teamwork. part made sense. Yeah. yeah. So the one day that they were in there, they became masters at working together as a team. Well, um, as every 80 movie, 80s movie has showed us, that's all it takes. That, one montage, <laughs> and we're fine. And we're fine. We're good. That's um, right. But, no, no, but, but the CGI stuff was no, it was good. I thought the blocking was fine. I thought, yeah, like I said, you you said the choreography was a little weak, and yeah, it kind of was. But uh, my issue was more with how the scenes were written than how they were executed. Um, because, Which is yes, a, a, a plot. Yeah. So that you know, all in all, I thought I thought it was pretty solid. Nothing really was drastically bad. I mean, we had yet another sky beam, but uh, <laughs> I mean, can't get away from those. Oh, yeah, uh, just like we can't get away from killing off the bad guy, or not developing the bad guy, or not knowing really who the bad guy is. <laughs> just a completely rando. Okay, that's yeah. Fine. We'll, Never mind. we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, but cinematography out of fifteen. Still, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Twelve out of fifteen for me. And. I, I honestly, my, my score is close, 11. Yeah, not too bad. All right, so we'll go into the other 15 category. That's the director. Uh, the director, Nia DaCosta. Are you familiar with this nice lady's films prior to this? I've heard the name, but I do not know the work. Well, if you watched Candyman in 2021, she directed that. I did not watch that. And let's see. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, that is not all that she has done. And and Marvel has a history of picking people like this who have had limited exposure to films, well, especially big budget films, right. but just like limited experience to quantity of films. So in one sense, it's nice because you don't have any expectations going into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the other sense... And they're cheap. <laughs> exactly. In the other sense, it's... Um, it's harder to know what their style really is, to know what their voice really is. And so it's kind of difficult to determine where is Marvel in control here and where is Nia in control. Yeah, and that's another thing about them too is that you can, as Marvel, as Feige, you can control them. You can dictate what happens and you can put your creative spin on things, but how much of this can you deliver your creative spin? Right. Now, I'm going to assume that she had control, let's say, 80% of the film. Yeah. They've, they've trusted a lot of new directors to have a lot of creative control. Right. Maybe it's even more than that. But let's say we go with 80%. I, I think when you've got three characters that you're bringing together – from three completely different properties in the same universe, smashing them together with not a lot of preparation. I think she did good. I think she did uh, pretty well too. And and the best way I can describe this, which is the first film, and, and, and my family likes the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're not as into it as what I am. Um, but my wife doesn't like the first one. 
Captain, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. And we we were as we're rewatching all the movies, we started watching it and like thirty minutes into it, my son walked away and my daughter was half asleep and my wife was looking at things on the phone, just like didn't like that one. But I think because this is more lighthearted, this is fun, this is something the director has built into the film that it's just a different vibe some from a lot of the other movies. Uh, th- this would be something that she would enjoy over a good portion of the other movies. And, and I think part of that goes to the audience that you're searching for, the greater audience that you're searching for uh, with this and other properties going forward. Right, and Nia is one of the three writers credited on this particular script. So I feel like she would have, you know, you we would be able to see her voice come through on mm-hmm. this and just tonally this I feel in a lot of ways maybe that's what they were trying to do with the first Captain Marvel film and just didn't succeed in Yeah, but this is the type of tone that it needed to have because now this is my personal opinion uh, the Captain Marvel character in comics is boring I have never liked the Captain Marvel character, Carol Danvers version. I have always been a Monica Rambeau fan. Oh, back in the Avengers runs when she was leading the team, that was great stuff. And I've really liked Miss Marvel in every aspect. But when Captain Marvel works, it's when she adds, I don't want to say snarky, because you know you get a lot of that with heroes, like with uh, Spider-Man and all that. But her, her quips, her stuff has a bite to it. She's mean, and when she when she really gets into it, she's she's beating you down physically and verbally. When when it takes on that with the fun side of that, that's when the character works. Or when she's getting touched by Rogue, <laughs> that's when the character dies. That's something different. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I, I I tried to explain this even earlier today to my wife is like why you would like this one is that she just she comes off with a different attitude right. and the movie itself just has a different vibe compared to the first one. I tried to tell her like she's in the military in the comics she's a leader like captain right so she's she's got a background that she's got to be stern she's not laughs and giggles like that's not necessarily her main trait and if she's going to be laughs and giggles it's you know a different type of laugh and giggle than being silly it's at your expense correct and and that's off-putting to some people but that's the character you know um and we didn't get that same attitude the entire movie in this one right and i think part of that is is the director yeah, no, I think I think she struck the balance that needed to be struck, and it was just fun. You could tell that you could tell that the the people working on it were having fun. Oh yeah, I, I feel like they all got along well. I mean, just look Good rapport. It's it's a small thing, but okay. So this is one of those things. If you look at anybody and people you know, when I'm talking to people, when you talk to people, where do you look, Richard? Generally. Try to do eyes. Yeah, that's the way most people are. When I talk to people, I'll look at the eyes for a moment, but I'm looking at cheeks. I'm looking at throat. I'm looking at forehead. 
I'm looking at the, the subtle little things that are going to indicate what kind of what kind of state is this person in right now? Huh? Yeah, yeah, emotionally, where are they at? And I want you to compare, look at Brie Larson in the Captain Marvel film and compare that to her in this film. She is clearly much more relaxed in this. She is allowed to have a little more fun. She was seemed a little tense in the one scene that you would think that she would be more relaxed. She's actually a little more tense, and I think it's because it's such a, a diversion for us, and that's the dancing scene. Mm-hmm. But because of that, it just feels because she takes that breath as as a viewer, you can take that breath. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Like just a different. The exposure. I mean, it's just a little bit of everything. That's it's it's different, which should be more positively received by a larger audience base. It's just that. It's just that that's not gonna. It's not gonna happen. So I want to say why I'm putting this in director, because when you're making a movie, you're shooting. The director is you know calling the scene, but we also put the editing into the directing. I know for sure in that first Captain Marvel film, there is no way that Brie Larson was that rigid in all of her takes. Not a chance, but the way that it was cut together, you couldn't see it. They cut the good stuff into this. That's that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, so to me, that's a, that's a 13 out of 15. And I was similar. I did 12. Yep. All right. Now into the big ones. We're going to go into the cast. That's a 20-pointer. 20 points. So we got faces that we already knew we were going to get mm-hmm. because they were pre-existing. We got Brie Larson. We got Miss Paris. We got uh, Iman Vellani, um, which, by the way, uh, I, I'm just going to say this now. I would be more than happy to uh, adopt her anytime if she needs it. She is just absolutely adorable. I I think with her she's only going to get better. Oh yeah. And un- unfortunately what happens when you get into a role like this sometimes you get pigeonholed into that type of role. I mean we'll only see what happens going forward in the future if that happens for her. Um but she's got she's got a energy and a positivity to her presentation of the character. Um, we, I mean, that's kind of how that character is anyway, which yeah. is just like... It's it, perfect. It's perfect. So it's it's great. And it doesn't come across as... Dis, disingenuous. Disingenuous. It just comes across as not polished. Right. Yet. And that's, that's fun, but... You can just see the joy come out of her, and that's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Samuel L. is Samuel L., and I'll watch him do anything. And he was as good as he needed to be in this film. Yeah, just goofy, unserious. Right. Um, so we bring in a few other people. We bring in, uh, what, Zawe? Is that how you pronounce her name? I'll go Zawe. Zawe Ashton. Um, she was all right. Uh, as a casting choice, I think it's fine. It, it really didn't matter who they put into that role because the the character was doomed before the script even got written. 
they were never going to develop any real backstory. No. They weren't going to develop the, the character at all, and they were just going to kill it off, which this is just a, a, a running Marvel problem that they still somehow have not figured out how to shed. Um, and and this, if because I had to figure out, you know, early on the character, the the name of the character, and sometimes that's what you got to go by, not the presentation, just the name of the character was an actual, just one-off, very minor Nothing. character. Yeah. So they they just found a name like, oh, I like that one, and then they put it in here. So like disregard that in terms of like if you're look trying to look for the history of things. That's, yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um. But she had, um, I guess this is costuming and props, like weird. The teeth? teeth yeah. Which was, it took me a second to notice what was going on there. But that, that So here's, here's the problem. But it's distracting. I can't blame her entirely for this. But if you're going to play a character that you know is not going to get backstory, is not going to get developed, and is going to be killed off, what is your only real acting option? Ham it up. And that's exactly what she did. Took it over the top. Way over the top. It was so, it was almost unwatchable in spots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as a quote main character in this, it, it was, it was almost like it was almost to that point of being like too much. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just wasn't, and, and you're right. Like we're gonna, we're, like we're ever gonna see this, this character again. Like, and no one will care. No one, no one will care at all. And, and I'm wondering, honestly, besides the three main characters and the Nick Fury character, are we gonna see anybody else in, in, that appear to this again? And maybe the people that did the, the cons, like that family. Well, maybe we'll see them again, because um, they had a little bit more screen time too. I hope but, so, because they're great. They have a, they work well together. Yes, they it's do. It's natural for them. They oh, yeah. were probably the best ones in the whole movie, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, they were very fun to watch. Um, brought in Gary Lewis to be Emperor Emperor Droge, um, which he was covered in makeup. Yeah, and um, was very. I don't know. Not believable, but like not one note didn't wasn't given a chance to really do anything. No, 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 there was no emotion, there was no anything. It was just, yeah, meh. And then, um, apparently, because I don't know, uh, Park So June mm-hmm. is a huge star, just yes. not here. Um, so I, I don't know, Korean, right? I think so. So he was in. Parasite, yes, which won the Oscar, right? Right, um, for Best Picture. But I, I guess he was—he's a huge star. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. It's just nothing that, besides Parasite, most folks here would would know. Now that being said, he was good. He stole the scenes he was in. Yeah, yeah, I. I I didn't necessarily have much of of a problem with him. It, it's it, okay. Let's be honest. It's tough 
English isn't his language no, at all. No. And it, it's hard to be pseudo polished. You if he never had to be because he's a big star at home. He makes lots of money. He's a successful person in all the things that he does. And now like we need you to, you know, be in this Marvel movie. We need you to sing. So you have to set proper expectations for him um, as a human one, but then as what his, as a character, and they they got around that very, oh, yeah. very well by like throwing in the one liners like, oh, he's bilingual, because yep. so he didn't have to <laughs> sing, right? Um, I hope because we don't we don't know what happened to that planet. Right, they just gotta leave. <laughs> and what significance does he have for future things? Is it just just another one off? Oh, he's definitely a one off. So it would be nice if there was more to him. Yeah, and he doesn't have to show up all the time for an hour. But just like, pop in for like a, a one small five minute scene in a future film. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's got really impressive charisma for the little bit that he did. It's like, okay, I can see why this guy, I mean, he's attractive, he carries himself well, and he can exude. That's mm-hmm. that's hard. That last one, that one's really hard. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, and of course, uh, Zenobia Shroff, uh, the, the mother of the Khan household, she was great. She's been in a lot of stuff um, over the last, you know, what, 20, 20 years? Yeah, about 20 years now. Um, so, yeah, she was a lot of fun. Um, they snuck in Abraham Papula. He was one of the agents, the main agents. Yeah, he got a little screen time here and there. How old did he say he was? Uh, he is. Well, no, not not human. Like in the movie, oh, 300. 300 years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's actually he's been in a number of different things. He was one of those the guys that you go, oh yeah, I remember seeing him in the one thing. In the one thing, yep. And he's he's going to be one of, those. of course, right? Well, I I don't blame him for that one. <laughs> There's nothing he could have done. But he's in a couple episodes of Andor and a few episodes of Extraordinary and a bunch of episodes of The Rig and. The curse, and you know, just all sorts of different things. And uh, so, I mean, he's he's been. I wonder in in the which has no bearing on anything. If he's three hundred years old, what like where did he come from? Well, he's scroll. He's a scroll. He's a scroll. Most of the people on Saber are scrolls. Oh, that's true. Just in their human form, right? So, you know, it's just uh, scrolls live quite a long time. But although, plot point, they never addressed any part of the TV sequence at no. all. No, they, I think, it, in, in a way, I'm mad they didn't, but at the same time, it did so badly. I can see why they didn't want to touch it. Yeah, just like it never happened. Yeah, and they didn't need it for the film anyway. Maybe, no. maybe they didn't know what happened. Who knows? But yeah, so all in all, pretty solid casting. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. Uh, I guess the only other real one to mention is uh, <laughs> having, at least in voice, having, our favorite uh, Kelsey Grammer back. Uh, but Haley showed up. 
Tessa Thompson was there. She was a nice little like. Lashana was back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, we 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 got to see a handful of different people, and that was nice. Um, so if if you're mad that we we said that there were any, remember we did say spoilers. <laughs> yeah, that's on you, not on us. That's not on us. Um, but yeah, so casting wise, they had the right people. I think they had the right people for the right job, for the most part, with a couple of less than stellar performances, but for the mm-hmm. most part, really solid. Um, yeah, that's, and the ones that were solid, I thought were really solid. You put Iman in anything and she just lights up the, the, the whole thing. And so, yeah, that to me, that's 17. I was a little less impressed, but not like horrible. So 15. Yeah. So, all right. So now the, the nuts of the whole thing, the, the nitty gritty, mm-hmm. let's go into the plot. It's worth 20 points. The plot of this film was somewhere between okay and bad. And the side parts of the plot were somewhere between bad and worse. It, like inconsistencies and in things, the way story parts were delivered or overlooked like we like we spoke about. They gave you a story finally like she was the annihilator, right? But why was she the annihilator, right? And wait for half an hour, we'll tell you. Yes, and it—it's not. Was it really okay? So he, here's here's how this works. She went because we saw the supreme intelligence. She grabbed all the cables and snapped them, and then like no more supreme intelligence. So who's gonna lead the planet now? But that caused everything to just civil war go away, right? Um, what, and I, I missed it. What caused the sun to not function anymore? Oh, so that was nothing to do with them. That was just something that happened. Okay. <clears> so <throat> it's like a science thing just ha- happened to happen. It was bad timing, <laughs> but they used up all their other natural resources in in the inter interplanetary war that they're having to take control. So they're mad at her for a science thing that happened. Kind of cool. Okay. Um, and then this is an advanced culture. Right. Okay. Advanced and, warlike culture. But they figured out that there was these special things that they could open up rifts throughout the the whole cosmos. Those have been around for a while. Bend the- time and space so they can move from one place to another. Oh, but we found these other bangles let's call them because that's you know wrist trinkets mm-hmm. um that can do magically more things but this whole time this whole time that they're angry at her and they called her the annihilator um and the the Monica Rambo character is just like oh you're powerful enough why don't you just restart the sun like you're you're telling me if that's all it took was just I'm going to fly into the sun and use my powers. And now the sun magically works again that this science war race couldn't think of anything similar to that to get it work. But instead we're just going to go attack and steal someone's atmosphere and water. Well, so first of all, Captain Marvel gets her power from the infinity stones basically. So yeah, she could restart the sun. 
Yes. Absolutely. But she can't defeat a Cree uh, grunt. Now, now, that's something different. We're, we're going to deal with one inconsistency <laughs> at a time. One at a time, yep. <laughs> but yes, so do they have advanced science? Yes. Do they have the ability to bring back stars? No. They've, they've, in the comics, I've never seen them have that ability. Um, so that's Have you consistent. seen Captain Marvel bring back stars? Yes. Okay. Point taken. Or maybe, maybe more accurately, someone with access to her power set that she has been shown to have in the films. Yes. And, and I just love how it's like, oh, well, they're mad at me because the sun doesn't work. And then she's just like, well, you're strong enough. You can make the sun work. Okay. It just... It seemed as the as the movie progressed, the plot just like went off a cliff. Right? They needed to give a reason. If they're going to do it that way, they have to say okay, because she wasn't surprised. She goes, "Well, yeah." Well, then that begs the question: Why? Why? It would take you what five minutes? You don't even have to talk to any of them. So you, you, you were mad at the Supreme intelligence because of how it was trying to conquer everything. So you took care of that and then you're like deuces (laughs) didn't stay around to talk to anybody or do anything. Yep. Didn't didn't maybe actually talk to some people that maybe wanted a better life and say, okay, this is going to be the new people that are in charge. They have your best interest at heart and all that other stuff. Yeah. And as far as the other stuff goes, the water and, and the air, it's like, yeah, that they could have done. They, they have the technology. They could have fixed that. They could have just, or just moved. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's hard to move a whole populace off of one planet onto another, even though the scrolls were able to do that in this one, but not in the TV show. Uh, we're, we're dealing with different inconsistencies now. <laughs> um, yeah, the and the fact that when the Monica Rambo character's at Saber and she sees the thing, and she's in the spacesuit and just kind of skirts out there and like I'm just going to go see because you know why not why not and then I and then I touched I touched this you know science thing right um and now magically that's what's connected everybody all of a sudden but like she has powers so she has more confidence in doing things so I I get that but it's just like oh what's going to happen here because she's going to go touch the science thing you know like it's just there was no... You would think she would have learned from the last science thing she wanted to touch. Correct. It was the same thing. <laughs> same thing. Um, and, okay, so here's the other one that's really inconsistent, too. So the... And maybe, maybe I'm missing a detail in here, but do we know in this movie-slash-TV show sequence, Kamala Khan exactly where her family heritage comes from. We saw it a little bit in the TV show, right? Pakistan. But but no, but like she's a mutant. She's yes. like um where where is her grandma? Or like where did her grandma descend from? Ah, she was Cree. But she was okay, so if she was Cree, mm-hmm. right? Why is it that um 
Darben goes out there, bangs the things together, and explodes her. Okay, but so all right, Kamala does it, and it's like I'm got powers. So we we had this discussion, and it went round and round uh, between me and my family, and and I I couldn't get them to see it, and that that was actually my fault. I couldn't for some reason speak clearly. So the reason that Kamala doesn't explode is she's a mutant. She kept her powers after the bracelet was off. The bracelet is not what gave her the powers. It just activated the powers. So that's what they're trying to imply there. And I kind of figured as soon as they said she was a mutant, it's like, oh, so the, the bangle did absolutely nothing. It transported her in time. Yeah, that was the bangle. But the the whole thing where she's creating the, the constructs, nope, that's not the bangle. That is her, 100%. Now, now in... in in the TV show, it was talking about that, like right at the end, mm-hmm. like Mutant Gene, play the X-Men theme song. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, and in this one, you're right, there was a sequence where she didn't have it, but it was still able to create the things. But that was never addressed. No. It was overlooked, kind of, right? Like, I still have the powers. Like, oh, what? I still have, what? Yeah, that, that, was, that, that was, was intentional. That was that was just like she knew she didn't know whatever okay so she got the two she can do the things and then w- my question then also is where's the other one at because at the end of the movie she still only had one yeah uh, if you were if you were looking close enough captain marvel had the other one and did what with it took it with her so she's going to make sure they you know pull an offspring from the 90s and keep them separated I guess. I don't know about that. I'm not sure what the reasoning was there. But the reason that, that Dar exploded is because of what the bangles are. They're the quantum bands. So this is this is deep cut nerddom here. So for comic book fans that are not familiar with what the quantum bands are, there's a character named Quasar. Uh, Quasar was the original owner of the quantum bands, though originally it was supposed to be something that Captain Marvel was supposed to have, but he didn't get it. It's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into that. But they are able to control and uh, alter the nature of energy, Uh, pretty much limitless. And so it can make constructs like what Kamala Khan can do. So if you know how to do it, you can do the same thing if you've got both bangles. Um, uh, The one difference they had is you can't take them off in the comics. Once they're on, they're on until you die, period. And that happens very easily because controlling that energy is very difficult. It keeps building and you don't know what to do with it. So the whole reason that Wendell Vaughn was able to succeed as Quasar is he had something that several other individuals didn't have that used the quantum bands in the first place. You know what that is? Charisma. Death wish. He was depressed and wanted to die. So when he got to the point that he couldn't control the energy anymore, he went to orbit and just, okay, I'll let it happen. And that's actually how you let the energy dissipate. You just just got to let it happen and it just leaves. Well, I thought you were going to do like a Charles Bronson reference. No. So her the the little bit of uh, personality we get from Darben is she's trying to control things. That's the way a lot of people are. She won't get it. So when she tried to use both quantum bands, they blew her up because that's what they do. So as a person watching this film, there is no way you could possibly know that. But it's right. But Kamala Khan 
tried to use them. She didn't just let it happen, or did she? She has energy-based powers. That's the difference. Her mutant ability is energy-based powers. So she's fine. Now, we did get a hint at the Quasar character, correct? Yeah, well, a Quasar character. One of the named characters. Yeah, Phi Lavelle, we got to see a smidgen of her in the previous Guardians. But she was not the original Quasar. Um, Wendell Vaughn was the original Quasar, but I don't think they're going to bring him into this, which is, I guess, fine, even though he's one of my favorite characters. And Of the comics that I collected, the Quasar comic was one of the ones I collected because it was cool. And Anyway. Anyway. So, um, uh, of course, the final thing was... Um, the Monica Rambo character, like, I have to go and pull this together because I can absorb the energy. You guys fill me up with the energy and I can go do it. And I was like, oh, well, she's not coming back. Like, <laughs> that was such an obvious, like, so obvious. Yeah, well, that's the, the whole movie was prepping us for that. It's like, okay, so who's going to die? Yeah, who who is not going to make it? Well, we know the bad guy. Right. Like, what's going to happen? Who's not going to make it? Um I was kind of thinking after the dance sequence is like, oh, that was a great sequence. He's dead, um, w- which we don't know. <laughs> He's good as dead. He's off know. screen. But um, you know, it, it's it was such an easy mark to do, and like I will sacrifice because I will save the the universe by going on the other side and. Sealing things, sealing up. things up. Okay, great. Well, that's whatever. I love that. Well, I have to go to the other side to do it. Okay, why? Yeah. What was the? What was the? <laughs> There's no reasoning there. So, and, and I, I, it was way too obvious. And just like when I was watching, I was like, uh, but it's all that is all the. All that is is it serves a purpose, and then it puts them into another place so they can drive a plot point for other things in the future. Oh, I can't wait for that, though. And I was okay with that. That that part, what that leads to is cool. Yes. Right? Okay, fine. Get past all the other drivel. Let's get to the, the, the thing. Let's get to the stuff that's going to save the MCU. Mutants. Mutants. That's that's what's going to save it. Yeah. We got to wade through this muck. They're going to trash the, the Kang thing because uh, he's going to get convicted of something. No, he won't. And he's going to have a bad rap, and they're going to, like, it's not going to, that whole thing's going to fall apart. Like, whatever it is, they're, they're, I'd love to see it go through and come to fruition. I, it, it, there's a strong chance that it won't. So, whatever. What's going to save, what's going to save them? It's going to be the mutants. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and the last thing we'll talk about, the little after credits bit. I liked it. It was fun. So uh, this is one of the things that I was saying is that this type of movie is directed to a different set of viewers. Yeah. And by that I mean when you and I watch these movies 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, we're old now. All that means is we're getting old. Mm-hmm. But we have the same mindset. We're the same customer. Yes. But 
when we had family members that we said, we want you guys to watch these because we love these things. And if those family members were eight, now they're 20, right? Or if they were five, now they're 18, 17. So you've got to get a different mindset on what's going to drive all those people now who are older. Fresh recruits. Fresh recruits. And it was a nice callback to the original Iron Man post-credit scenes. And you saw it coming movies ago, not one, but like a long day ago is what I would say, that we saw the, quote, young Avengers being developed. It was obvious, and this is finally a thing that they're going to deliver to us. But are they really? Like, when's this going to happen? On Disney Plus (laughs) sometime down the road. Probably. I don't know. But but all there's been six, seven, eight young Avengers characters already put in, in on screen, whether it's on TV, a lot of them on TV, a couple of them in movies. It, it's just a matter like of do they have them under contract and what are they going to do to bring them all together? I'm I'm hoping because uh, just between. Really, just between Iman and Haley, the two of them together in the same film, mm-hmm. that's gold right there. I mean, that is 100% bankable gold. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping that'll happen. Now, going back to the, the, the way the plot ended up, I am going to focus on the fact that, in my mind, this is a film without a villain because it's got one, but it doesn't. They, they didn't try. Um, so when I went into it, I knew that going into it. So anything they did better than awful was going to be good. And then on top of that, I, I just look at it. Okay. So what this story is, this is a story of establishing a friendship between people that don't know each other. That's all this is. Yeah. I can see that. So judging it on that basis, ignoring all the science things that didn't make sense, the plot holes that were just fairly large. It actually did what it needed to do, and it did it very well. So if you kind of brush off the detritus that that the things that they failed out, they succeeded at the core. So for me, on the plot and writing, even though it wasn't perfect by any stretch, and normally a film like this would probably get an 11 or a 12 out of me, I thought they did so well with that bonding piece that it more than compensated, that puts me in a 16. I mean, the name of the movie is The Marvels, right. plural. Right. So you're right in that aspect of it. There's just so much other stuff that was throwaway, inconsistent, bad, not great, not awful. It just like, you're right. If you focus on the fact that it is a you guys are my best friends type of movie that's good, but there's so much other things that were just not from a plot standpoint. Hmm. So I had to, I had to knock it down more point, more pegs. Uh, I did 12. All right. So this is the point we can add or detract points, bonus points for things that we loved or didn't love. Um, I'm going to give it one extra point. I, I like the fact that I called something, but I called it wrong as the movie was going on because they were doing the shtick with, what is your name? Are you, you can't be Captain Marvel because she's Captain Marvel. That whole thing is like, oh, as soon as they started doing that, binary's coming. 
but I thought they were going to give that to Monica Rambeau. She was going to be the one to start the sun. She was going to get the extra power. She was going to be binary. That's where I thought it was going. And then they, they pulled the, the switch and had it be her mom from another universe. That, to me, that's a point because the binary character or the binary version of the Captain Marvel character super interesting and, unsurprisingly, has X-Men ties. Uh, and, of course, uh, I had the same uh, uh, bonus point for the post credit scene, um, and I had a generic point labeled Beast, although it was Kelsey Grammer's voice, which we know from the original X-Men series. Oh, yeah. um, CGI was a little off. Rough. Well, like a doggo, rough. Um, but this is the way, uh, this is the way, uh, um, <laughs> uh, to, if this is how you got to introduce the X-Men fam and the characters and they referenced Charles, uh, like this is the squad and let's do it. This is what's going to save, this is what's going to save the MCU. Oh yeah. This is it. It's. There's I'm no convinced. two ways around it. You got you got all the Fox properties, which are some of the best. Um, you know, we got Fantastic Four. You got uh, uh, X Men. All of the X Men. Like, don't just give me you know Beast and Storm and Professor X. <laughs> don't Deadpool me. <laughs> give me some things here, man. Like, give yeah. me you own the properties. Get some stuff. Do something. Do something, and we'll save the MCU. Yeah. So, when we calculate, we tabulate, we bring it all together, that brings Richard's score to a uh, gentleman's 76. I see that score. Yes. And that brings my score to a optimistic 83. That should, that should be on par with the rest of the <laughs> scores in similar movies. Yes. So, what did you think, folks? Would, did you go to see it? Uh, odds are against it considering <laughs> what we've seen so far. But uh, if you have, let us know. You know where we're at. We've been doing this for years now. We're on uh, X. Uh, but, of course, we're also on many of the other social medias. We love to hear anything from you. And, uh, and we hope that you're enjoying the movies, enjoying the year. We're getting into that special time of year. And you know what I'm talking about. Christmas season. I was just going to say. Holiday season. More movies and TV shows. Oh, uh, it's it's the good stuff coming out, man. Yeah, yeah. There's um, a lot of Marvel properties, some DC things showing up on there. The last of this iteration of DC and off to a fresh new start. Yeah. In fact, we're going to be coming back with another Marvel property next week. We're going to be talking about the second half of Loki season two. Come back and listen with us. 